Hey, I'm Stephen Povatter, the lead minister at Central Church of Christ in Little Rock, Arkansas. Our goal as a church is to follow Jesus together. So we gather on Sunday mornings for Bible study at 9 a.m. and worship at 10:15 a.m. And you'd always be welcome to join us. To learn more, go to arcentralchurch.org. Thanks for listening, and we hope to see you soon. Before we really dive into the sermon, I want us to have a prayer uh, for a very special group of people who are not in here because they just left, and that is our kids that are going to children's worship. Tammy told us last week, and I'm going to miss this number. You, you, I don't know if you remember the number, but she told us that last week in uh, church, we had, it was over 40. Is that right? 40, 42, which is the most we've ever had in children's worship. So 42 three- and four-year-old children were here last week. That's awesome. Isn't that great? I'm surprised you guys didn't like, I mean, I think that's, come on, come on, come on, that was great. I mean, you guys, you guys are really doing a great job at having babies. So keep up the good work um, or telling your friends who have babies to come here and do all those things. We're really grateful. But man, that's just a lot of children. And I really appreciate the work that Tammy and the others do with our children's, uh, our, our kids over in children's worship. Let's, can we just have a moment? I was just thinking about this. Can we have a moment? Pray for them and for all those little kids and the, the kids among us. Let's pray together. Holy God, who infuses our world with life and love. So much of the beauty of life is for us captured in the faces of these young children among us. The ones that are in here and the ones that are back uh, in the children's area right now for, for children's worship. We love them so much. We love these little kids so much. And we know that you love them too. And we appreciate the gift that they are from your hand. We pray that you would help us to be a place where they feel welcome and loved and encouraged to grow in the way of Jesus. And God, we pray that you'll be with the people who are um, working with them today and that who are pouring out your love and representing your love to them in this moment, even while we're in here doing, doing this thing. We pray that you'll be with those kids. Pray with all the, be with the kids who are in the pews here in this room and with their moms and dads and grandparents and friends who are, are helping to, um, help it, helping them to get through worship and, and think about what it means to be your people. We pray that in all of this, you would continue raising up a generation that follows your sign. And Father, we pray that you would continue to bring new life to our church in that way. In Jesus we pray. Amen. I don't know if it's frustrating to you, but it is so frustrating to me when I buy something at the wrong time. Okay? So actually last year, I, I, I was really excited. New iPhones were about to come out, and they were going to come out in two months. And I went to the movies and I uh, got up and I left my theater uh, seat and realized that I had dropped my phone down in the theater seat, which is okay, except for it was one of those hydraulic ones that like is a recliner. And so when I put the seat back, it got my phone got captured in there and it just crushed it. It was totally demolished. It was, it was amazing. Most damage I've ever seen on a phone, which is saying something. Um, and I was so annoyed because I was like, oh man, I'm gonna have to get the year old phone, right? I have to get the year old phone. 
and instead of getting the one that's going to come out and have like new features and all that kind of stuff. I also would tell you, I want to tell you this because I heard this last week. I, I bought a car a couple of years ago. I drive a, a sweet 2017 Camry. It's an amazing car. And by that, I mean, it drives me from place to place. But I heard this last week that GM is releasing a new line of cars that has a sweet feature. And I am so annoyed that I'm going to have to wait until my, you know, 15 years from now when my car dies um, before I can get this. Okay, you guys ready to hear it? Sweet new feature coming this next year's model. A check engine light that just stays on all the time from the day you buy it. You're interested in this? Are you interested in this? A check engine. You just drive the car. You drive it on the lot. The check engine light is already on. And from then on, you don't ever have to worry about it coming on. It's just already on. All a pre-installed feature. I know. Now, let's be honest with it. How many of you guys already have a car that has a check engine light that has been on for, let's say, more than three months? Okay. I know that you guys are like, I'm not raising my hand for that. We have one. Okay. We have one. We have a car that it is, uh, we have... Uh, a forerunner. It's an old uh, forerunner. It's got 250,000 miles on it. Um, it is the car that Mike and Izzy are going to learn to drive on. You're welcome, girls. Um, and one of the conversations we haven't really had about that car is they're going to say, what does this light mean? And I'm just going to say, it means nothing. <laughs> it means nothing. That light is just on all the time. It's a feature. That light, you just don't ever have to worry about it. It's already there. Um, the check engine light on your car, right? It's there, flashes, it comes on. And that all that tells you is that there's some kind of trouble, right? There's some kind of trouble. And then you have to like go and figure out what the trouble actually is. You have to go get them to plug the computer into it and think through it and think through what it is that actually needs to be fixed. And if you're just made out of money, you just go ahead and get it fixed, right? Um, or in our case, you say, ah, that sensor can't really be that important. We'll just, just keep driving with it. We live in a society in which the check engine light is on all the time. Anger which is meant to tell us something is wrong, but maybe without a lot of clarity about what it actually is, is something that in our society is seen as a feature. It is seen as something that is a virtue, something that we are even being called into over and over again. Anger is a hot commodity. And we are all buying it left and right. We are buying our cars straight from the lot with the light turned on. Be angry or there's something desperately wrong with you. We live in an incredibly angry, angry society. And I want to tell you, I think anger is overrated. People talk about it as though it is a very good commodity. They talk about anger as though it is something that uh, will automatically solve problems. It gives us the energy and the fuel to, with, with which we're going to be able to battle all the forces of darkness in our world. But I think anger is 
overrated as a tool. I think it turns out too often to be a tool that is very useful to people that want to use us. But in our honed hands, we find that we can only do so much real good work with that sledgehammer. Particularly if we don't become discerning enough to think of the places where the hammer is actually needed rather than the screwdriver. Or we don't think about the way that that tool is supposed to function in our hands or what it's supposed to do for us. Anger, rather, is something that takes us way off the rails. It leads us into places that we really wouldn't want to go. And it's very much like having an engine but nothing really to steer with. It just makes you go but without really telling you what direction Anger is everywhere. And I've got a couple of things that I want to share with you about anger from the book of Proverbs. Proverbs has a lot to say about what it means to be quick-tempered, about what it means to be person that a person that automatically rushes into anger. And it has a caution for us as the people of God for what it means to live in relationship to our anger, which may very well have a place in our lives, but maybe that light doesn't need to be on all the time. We'll start with me and turn into um, uh, Proverbs chapter 22, verses 24 and 25. And the first thing that I want us to see here is that anger is contagious. Listen to what Proverbs says. This is Proverbs 22, verses 24 and 25. Make no friends with those who are given to anger and do not associate with hotheads. Or you may learn their ways and entangle yourself in a snare. Now, there are a couple of things that I think this little set of Proverbs teaches us that I think is so useful. And this idea that anger is contagious is at the top of it, right? Whenever we find ourselves associating with people who are habitually angry, we should not be surprised when we find ourselves feeding off their anger and making it our own. I'm a I'm a good fan of the uh, occasional zombie flick. You guys like a good zombie movie? Okay, um, fair enough. And teach your own, Barbie yourselves out. Idea of, you know, that contagious virus that goes filling out. And, you know, the real thing about the zombies that makes them so dangerous is that they're not just mindless. They don't want to just eat your brain, but they're angry about it too, right? You never see a reasonable zombie. It's not a thing, Okay. Never see somebody. So this, this, but I, that image to me speaks of the way that anger can kind of work in our society. That it's a contagious thing that spreads from one person to the next, and the next thing you know, you have a mouth frothing group of people who have lost their ever loving minds. Right? And anger has that way. Have you ever had a friend that was just angry, 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 and you found yourself when you were with them, you kind of started getting angry too. And then when you left that friend, you're like, 
I don't really know why I'm mad. I don't even agree with them. But just the emotion, not the logic of the anger, the emotion can get passed from one person to the next. It spins out of control, and that anger begins to be something that possesses us. Possess is actually a good word for this. The ancients thought of anger and the other passions as being places sometimes where like the demonic world could get a hold of you and keep you from using your mind. Sometimes anger really is like that. It's just something that you caught from somebody else. And that's part of the reason why we in a society that lives on anger red alert all the time are endangered by it. It's in the air. Anger is a pandemic, and it can be deadly. Notice what those verses say at the end. Notice what verse 25 there says at the end. Let's pull that line back up, right? You may learn their ways and entangle yourself in a snare. So that anger, which takes over your mind and your body and your heart, it ends up getting you into traps. It ends up being something that ties you up that you didn't suspect but was actually dangerous for you. Anger is contagious and it leads us to be, to, to be people that are easily fooled. Easily fooled into being driven only by the emotions and by the passions in a way that ends up causing great harm to ourselves and to the other people around us. Anger is a contagious, but it's a contagious trap. It's not the kind of fever that you want to catch. It's not about the excitement. It's not about any kind of joyfulness, but it's about something that actually turns out to be deadly for you. That being said, though, we don't have to be victimized by that passion running within us. There's an alternate way of living that's not just being driven by that anger, but that has the sort of discipline that allows it to have its proper place. Anger requires discipline to have its proper place in our lives. So uh, turn with me into chapter 29, if you don't mind. And hear what, uh, hear this little proverb, 2911 the book of Proverbs says, A fool gives full vent to anger, but the wise quietly holds it back. So notice, in that proverb, does the wise person, are they immune to anger? Do they never have anger? Well, it's there, right? But they are restraining it. In other words, the wise person has some sense of control over their anger, while the foolish person is allowing the anger to be in control. They're giving it full vent. They are unrestrained in the way that the anger flows through them. The anger does what they want, and they do what the, or they do what the anger wants, right? Rather, a wise person has the discipline to be able to notice and to sense the anger, but to apply the right kind of discipline to the way that that anger is played out 
in their lives. They hold it back. They restrain, they restrain it. It is a fun thing from time to time to feel like you are losing control. We went to, uh, we went to the Universal Studios down in Florida earlier this summer. Um, and I love getting on a ride and strapping myself in and going wee and feel that feeling of like you're right on the edge of what's in control or not. Now, some of you are like, I hate that, right? But some of us, you know, like the thrill of being carried away by something. You know what I'm talking about? The thrill of like joining in with a group that is experiencing something and kind of riding the wave of the emotion. It'd be really nice. Sometimes that, that sense of emotion that kind of comes into us and, and pulls us into an experience can be a powerful experience. But it's a very dangerous way to live your life as though you're strapped into a roller coaster and you're just going up and down wherever it takes you all the time, right? I mean, I've got about 90 seconds of that in me. But the sense of being out of control is part of what gives anger its power. We let it drive us. And that, and we should name this, we should be honest enough to name this. Sometimes that is thrilling. Sometimes it's thrilling to leave our discipline aside and to allow the full power of our anger to just jump out of us. You know what I'm talking about? Sometimes we feel that in, um, as it happens, sometimes we, sometimes we fantasize about doing that. You ever had that really, really angry conversation with somebody else just in your head in the shower? And what you're flirting with is you're flirting with, man, it would feel so good to just give them both barrels and to ride the wave of that emotion of the anger coming through. Because there's something about us that likes feeling the power go through us, even if we're not in control of it. Is it true? But it's so dangerous. It's so dangerous. And it's dangerous to just give yourself over to the fantasy of that. And even more so, it's dangerous in the moment to kind of build the habit of just riding the wave of passion and letting it take you wherever it wants. You end up causing harm to yourself or to other people in your community. Anger may feel like power in the moment, but like so many other forms of foolishness, it causes deep regret and an understanding of, man, that's not really 
who I want to be, it's a lot more satisfying on the front end than it is afterwards. And that's the way a lot of foolishness is, right? We've talked about foolishness being that sense of, or, or, or the lack of being able to intuit how consequences work, how things will feel in the future, how my actions right now will affect the things that come to me later. And in the foolishness of anger, we are giving ourselves over to a feeling in the moment without regard for where it will lead in the future. A lot of things that are done in anger can't be easily put back in the box afterwards. And that's why it's in the category of foolishness and wisdom, right? Because if we allow ourselves to be driven by our anger in the moment, then we find ourselves with all sorts of things that we can't fix later. It requires discipline to be able to recognize that I have anger, that I'm at, I feel that passion right now, but I'm not going to let it completely drive my actions. I'm not going to let it make choices for me now that I'm going to regret later. I'm going to impose discipline so that I'm still driving the car. I didn't just strap into this ride and I'm just taking it, letting it take me wherever it goes. Anger requires that kind of discipline. Look in chapter 14 with me. I want to share one last thing. Anger calls for not just discipline, it also calls for understanding. Proverbs 14, verse 29 says this, Whoever is slow to anger has great understanding, but one who has a hasty temper exalts folly. I want you to think with me about this for just a second, about the connection between anger and and understanding. Anger is a pretty blind emotion. It is telling us that something is wrong, but it doesn't exactly help us think what it really is. It's really the version of the driver of that light on the dashboard that just tells you, hey, there is something going on that needs to be checked on here, but it won't do the work of like plugging in the computer and getting the right diagnostic code and then putting a wrench on it and fixing it for you. Anger is a diagnostic tool not a repair tool. It tells you something is broken. It won't fix it. Okay? What it does, though, is it requires you to ask questions about what actually is causing and creating the anger response. Now, you can't do that in the midst of it. You can't just in the space of the blind, white, higher rage, you can't just say, okay, now I'm, I'm, I have this understanding, right? It, it is the person that is slow to anger that has the great understanding. Why is that? Because they're giving themselves the time to think about what's really going on, to really ask the questions about what is the meaning behind this angry feeling and what is likely to lead to a solution and what's not. It is being slow to anger both demonstrates great understanding and it also is part of the process that allows you to develop great understanding. You know, 
when we think about anger, sometimes we'll say, well, yeah, but there's stuff that's really worth getting angry about in the world. And there is, right? But I, I, want to, I want to tell you something about myself and see if it resonates with you. I've noticed, you know, that, that feeling about being angry for the right reasons, uh, what if, righteous anger, righteous anger. Do you guys, you guys like righteous anger? I'm a fan. The problem is that in the way it feels within me, righteous anger feels just like the garden variety. It feels the same. And in the moment, without great discernment and without turning down the volume on that a little bit, I think all of my anger is righteous. I start to be deluded into thinking, of course I'm angry because of all the things that are outside of me. All the things that are wrong and broken with the world, that's the reason I'm angry, is all of their stuff, what they're doing, what they're saying, their choices. You know that phrase that we use all the time? You made me angry. Puts all the agency on the other person. You did this to me. And in that space, when I'm riding the wave of the emotion, I'm easily deceived into thinking I am angry for all the right reasons. So being slow to anger, being disciplined about it and restraining myself and giving myself space, part of what I'm doing is I'm keeping myself from being easily deceived keeping myself from falling straight into the trap. I'm giving myself space to actually weigh what it is that I'm angry about and what it is that's actually wrong, not just with outside, but within myself too. It gives me space to really ask the questions. What is it that's making this light on the dashboard come on? Listen, anger serves a purpose. It is okay to have this sort of, emo- I don't, listen, the, the thing that we're not going to do in here is pretend like we're all never angry, okay? We're not just going to pretend that there's not a reason for angry and everything is fine all the time. Not what we're saying. But we also can't allow anger to drive our lives, We can't just be moving all the time with that light on the dashboard on and just acting like it's normal to be angry all the time. It's not normal to be angry all the time. It may mean that we have work that we need to be doing, and it may seriously indicate some things that are broken in the systems that we're a part of in our, in our world, in our families, in our homes. It may really indicate stuff that we need to work on, okay? But anger is a deceptive friend. It is contagious. We catch it from one person to the next. It can start to drive our lives in ways that wreck all kinds of things. It requires discipline. Be able to not just let it be in charge, but to allow it to have its voice and also to have a voice that speaks back to that anger. And it requires us to really seek 
understanding, if there is a gift that anger gives us, is it, it is that it can provoke us to have a fuller understanding of ourselves and of the world around us and of the things that are truly broken and harmful that need to be fixed. But we cannot let anger always be in charge. It's meant to be a servant, not the boss. When we think about what kind of community we are, what kind of community God has called us to be in Christ Jesus, I don't think we're called to be an angerless community. I think that's too far to be a community that pretends like everything is a okay all the time. I don't. I don't think that's that's our call. But honestly, I don't think that's the real temptation in our world. I think the far greater temptation is to be a community. To the temptation to be a community that is just hit off all the time. It makes me so sad for the church that often in our society, our reputation is angry guy. How did we get there? How did we get there? I think... God calls us to be a community, not where we're just driven by the anger, the passion of the anger and all that stuff. I think we're driven, we're called to be discerning. We're called to be able to see and restrain those things which would otherwise you know, drive the car. I think we're called to be a community that sees and listens to the truth and learns how to weigh things, right? A community of joyfulness and also a community that goes to work trying to fix the things that are wrong rather than just complaining about it all the time. I think we're called to be communities of wisdom. And if we're called to be a community of wisdom, let us be very careful about the foolishness of anger. Let's pray together. Oh God, there is so much that's broken in our world and it triggers so many emotions within us and often we feel anger. We pray for the healing of the world. We pray for a truthfulness in our society. And Father, we pray for righteousness and justice to reign in the world. Oh God, Help us to be discerning about the things that deserve our anger and also the ways that anger is driving the car. Help us to be discerning about the way our friends and the media that we consume can sometimes lead us into habitual, perpetual anger. And, oh God, would you work within us so that there is a spirit of joy among us that balances all those things out. Oh God, we want to be a community of your wisdom. We cannot do it on our own. And so we seek that your spirit 
would be among us. We seek that the things that are among us are of your power and of your work among us. And, oh God, may those things actually be contagious among us. So that instead of driving each other to blind passion, driving each other towards senseless rage, we are driving each other further and further towards wisdom, that we're helping walk with each other towards the, the way of love. Oh God, be with us, and may we be a people that are marked by your presence among us and the peace that comes from that and the love that comes from your Son. In his name we pray, amen. You wish to share something with the church for prayers today? Um, if you have something that you want us to be praying for you for, or if you wish to come and be a part of us, to really be a part of this community that's trying to seek wisdom, seek the way of Jesus, you're welcome to come. We'll stand and sing together.